You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Oh yeah, you're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell Radio Show It's me, Joe Thrashenkill, joined again by my best good buddy You know him, you love him He's the 365 Days of Horror Or as I like to call him, Jordan Jordan, how are you? I am good. How are you? I am incredibly hungover. <laughs> so just par for the course, then. Yeah. Well, my wife went out to a, a bougie Mexican party last night, and uh, it was one of those things where they hired uh, wait staff. So like, uh, you, you there weren't like trash cans where you could put an empty can, or you know, a cooler where you could get a beer when you were ready for one. So instead, uh, guys just coming up to me, taking empty cans out of my hand, and giving me fresh beers all night. So I'm dead (laughs) and they were dressed nicely so you can't say no i know exactly um no it's fun uh to see like you know all these these classy uh you know uh upper upper class mexican folks like you know wearing their refinery and then about three hours into the party uh start line dancing to achy breaky heart (laughs) that sounds like a parody of texas (laughs) i know but it's it did happen and it was a lot of fun but now i'm you know i'm suffering from uh from my my actions uh not anybody else's mind i figured it was probably because you were still celebrating the big game you know everyone knows you're uh, we're big football fans you're uh, a big gambler so i assumed you bet it all on the arlington renegades last night (laughs) in the xfl debut I uh, unfortunately I was I was a little busy yesterday. I didn't get to watch the XFL opener. Did you get a chance to see it? No, I was busy not doing that. Um, I saw a couple clips and it's on you. It's on uh, Twitter and people are like, "Oh, XFL! Oh my God!" It's like give it three weeks. I think the same thing happened with USFL. People be into it for a week or two and then go on about their lives just as spring is starting. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that one with the USFL. I was really excited for one week and then I just completely fell off. <laughs> and then it's just football that's not as good as the NFL. That's correct. Yeah, it's uh, as, as you know, many uh, problems as we have with the fixed NFL. Uh, it is the superior product and no others can touch it. Uh, anyway, I, I did see a couple of guys talking about uh, the XFL on Twitter, but it's guys that I don't think actually follow sp- like sports aside from wrestling. So I, I, I don't know if I, I trust their opinions on football. Yeah, they're just fans of The Rock or fans of WWE, and they really want it to work for the third time. <laughs> uh, I do remember watching the original uh, original XFL, you know, like... Uh, in what 2000 was it 2000 somewhere around there yeah i remember watching it uh i was at a show and uh, in between bands there are just tvs around the venue and sometimes they would just show this like random computerized video that was very like late 90s uh you know windows screensaver type stuff and sometimes they would show sports games you know whatever was on that night and one time it was the XFL, and I forget which teams it was, but it was like, oh, there's that thing. Okay, it's football. <laughs> kind of. It's a football-like product. I mean, yeah, the the early one, they tried to play it up with, like, wrestling storylines, and there will be, like, no whistles called, complete violence, guys with goofy nicknames on the back of their jerseys. And I think on the first, the very first play of the XFL, 
uh, it was it was the kickoff and they just like waved it off and caught the ball and that was it and you know no one's head got split open <laughs> that was just kind of the end of it. Um, yeah, it's it's tough uh, to match up the reality with what you actually have to put on your television. But you know maybe maybe this is the one that works out. Maybe this is the true competitor to the NFL coming next. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, got a few things uh, that are important to cover on uh, on this uh, this week's show. I think uh, first and foremost, uh, I've got this uh, uh, late breaking headline that just came across the desk. Um, it says here, uh, "Kisses Paul Stanley recalls meeting Raquel Welsh. Quote: She was stunning and strong in her opinions." So I just, I just felt like you should know that one. Do, do Thank you, you. Do you feel informed? I mean, I think we can close the show down now. That's all we need, right? Mm-hmm. This is such. A, this was on. This was on blabbermouth, right? Of course, of course. But like, <laughs> <laughs> this is just. I'd say ninety percent of the things po- published to blabbermouth are this exact thing, like uh, some old asshole talking about uh, some old dead celebrity, just like, and what a rack. <laughs> Very funny. I remember all the good times we had together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So I I don't know man uh, I think everybody's seen it this week because uh, I I got served an ad for it uh, on various social media platforms. Uh, Rolling Stone published a list called uh, "50 Horrible Albums by Brilliant Artists," um, and the thing that stuck out I took a screenshot of this uh, when I got it uh, because the uh, biggest uh, face in this banner that they created for uh, these. Uh, Horrible albums by brilliant artists is that of Gene Simmons, uh, who I don't think has anything in common with a brilliant artist. That could just be me, though. Uh, if it was, you know, brilliant money-making artist, then absolutely. Sure, sure. Um, a brilliant bullshit artist, if you will. Uh, but I mean, you- I guess there is there is brilliance in being a fairly mediocre band and being able to sell billions and billions of dollars worth of you know your crappy merchandise in your face and your quickly dwindling uh, bass playing skills so I, I guess if you want to be very broad about it yes brilliant one of the first things that i saw this morning when i opened my hungover eyes was somebody um posting a recent clip of a uh, Gene Simmons bass solo performed on the Kiss Cruise, <laughs> and you've never seen a more miserable man or a more miserable solo. <laughs> he is clearly going through it, realizing that he's in his, what, sixth decade of this shit? <laughs> and again, you probably don't need to play shows. You can just sell your face on toilet seats, and there are enough Kiss fans still out there that will buy it. I generally don't. I, I don't think anything makes him happy. I think that he's just stuck here. Like he doesn't know what else to do with himself. He's gonna die on stage playing an awful, awful solo. He'll just collapse on stage, but like his rocket boots will still be going off, and people will be cheering <laughs> as his soul's leaving his body, and people are going, "Woo!" Hell yeah, brother. Um, so I, I took a look through this. Uh, did, you, did you look at the the list of uh, these supposedly uh, horrible albums by uh, brilliant artists? I was slightly tempted to, just because this is one of the easiest things to get people to click on. Everyone likes lists. Everyone likes reading about bad things. Mm-hmm. 
And then they like to go, yes, I agree. No, I don't. Let me talk about this and share this further and further. Yeah. I've fallen into their snare. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. I mean, it's, it's an easy read. So it, it, I understand why. It's very appealing. But I didn't, number one, because a lot of these other uh, publications picked up on the one or two heavy metal things mentioned in this. Metallica, for example. Yeah. And then I figured, like, the rest of them are probably people I don't really know anything about. Um, I mean, you know, I would say, 90% of these artists. But Yeah, it's... like, I know, who, I know who Lil John is, but I'm not going to have much to say about his discography and if he fell off or not. Sure. Uh, but I mean, like, I would say most of the things here are, like, your classic rock stalwarts, just bands that have again, been together 70 fucking years and had decades where you didn't realize they released new music. That was an album that they put somewhere along those times, you know? I don't need to read about an album Yes put out five years ago. Correct. So things on here, like, uh, for example, Van Halen's 3, the one with Gary Sharon. Poor Gary Sharon. That guy's been shit on his entire fucking life. <laughs> it's not his fault. Leave Gary Sharon alone. Uh, so, you know, the, the token metal selection here. Uh, Rolling Stone chose Saint Anger by Metallica, which I got to say, why that album? Why not any of the other ones? <laughs> and it's it's really between that and Lulu. I would say Lulu and, is probably the the more obvious pick for me. I think so. I, it probably just gets a mulligan because it's Metallica and Lou Reed. It's its own thing. That's true. Um, the other one here, which I disagree wholeheartedly with, I cannot disagree any further with this inclusion was metal magic by Pantera. That, I mean, that doesn't even make sense. It's not. No, like, because this was before they were known as anything. This is fucking 1983. Nobody knew who the fuck Pantera was. I mean, this is what they were. If anything, you could try to make an argument like biggest change or, you know, worst demo or something like that. But they became famous after this. Right. With a completely different sound. Right. So I, I think this is horseshit, uh, absolute horseshit. Uh, and it's not a bad album either. I agreed. I like it. Um, there's also uh, Forbidden uh, by Black Sabbath. That would be the uh, era that, uh, you know, I'm told is good, but I've still never heard one of these records in my life. <laughs> People will insist that that era is good or sometimes even better uh -huh. than the other ones. And I have to say... I don't believe you. Yeah, all this shit's getting re-released real soon. And you know what? The bill is coming due, folks. <laughs> so we'll just see about that. Um, other things in here, uh, I mean, like things that were legitimately big hits, like Madonna's American Life in 2003. Like, I don't know if you remember 2003, but those singles were all over the fucking radio. Everywhere was that the one with the songs from that was in Austin Powers, Beautiful Stranger? I think so. This one was also like um, uh, it, was, it was all techno songs essentially, and that fit in the era uh, very well. It was a big hit. I don't think that you can say this is a bad Madonna record compared to all of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, it's just like what criteria are you going with for saying bad or? whatever they're trying to do with this list. I don't know. They also I mean, put, they're probably just trying to they're probably just trying to make people mad so they talk about it. It's true. Um they also included uh I think the one 
the Who record that I own uh, in here is a bad one. Uh, that's the one that had uh, Eminence Front on it, which I think, fuck, that song whips ass. Like, that's the one The Who song I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm jamming. <laughs> you sure play Mean Pinball. Um, it's an Eminence Front. It's a puddle. Anyway, uh, again, I have been uh, ensnared by this devilish logic, uh, and I, I won't continue here. I won't continue to give the failing Rolling Stone uh, additional coverage. I don't know, man. What's uh, what do you think is the uh, the biggest fuck up of a supposed brilliant artist? I mean, anytime a band like fully changes genres, that's always gonna, uh, whether it's good or not, upset a lot of fans mm-hmm. or like really leaning into a certain sound that we've talked about. The 90s were particularly bad for a lot of the classic heavy metal bands uh, that made their bones in the 70s and 80s. The 90s were pretty harsh for them, and we saw members leave and eventually come back in the 2000s when people wanted to forgive them. <laughs> um, hmm. I'd really have to think about that. I think my—I don't know, man. Uh, my answer, I guess, is kind of kind of obvious. Uh, for our particular, our particular like uh, what is the word for it niche, and that you know uh, I think that uh, in 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 insanus illidivinum insanus mm. by morbid angel is probably the worst one, uh, like by such a jarring degree to the rest of it that I gotta give it for that one. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a much beloved death metal band putting out that is is pretty bad and it's kind of like you said it's like essentially trying to play in a different genre trying to make like electronic music out of this and it's just not working yeah um i don't know uh give it some thought come back with your answer when you're ready and then in the interim uh we've got uh we've got big news that we need to cover across a few different fronts uh but i would like to maybe start with an email that we got if that's okay Sure, and as a reminder, people can email us, toiletofhell at gmail.com or toiletofhellradio at gmail.com. Um, yeah, lately we've been getting some great emails from our listeners. Please keep that shit up. Um, the headline that I got from this email you forwarded to me says, uh, Stolen BLS vest on Craigslist, and because my brain's always there, I was like, why would somebody steal a basic life-saving service vest and put it on Craigslist? <laughs> Just a black label society vest that you actually use when you fall off a boat. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's got a built-in pacemaker. <laughs> it's it's bright orange, but it still has the black label society skull on the back, and maybe a patch from whatever city you're from. Um. So it says here the the email uh, February thirteenth, Anthrax and Black Label Society played in Omaha, and the next day a Black Label Society roadie vest showed up on Craigslist for two thousand six hundred dollars. Uh, as a side, he says you can find the same thing on Etsy for fifty bucks. The seller claims the radio station gave it away in twenty fourteen, but I don't have any memory of that being a prize. This is not the first time they've got their gear jacked. Uh, coincidentally, in 2014, Zach Wilde got his guitar and best stolen in Chicago. <laughs> I, get, I gotta say, he includes a, a, a picture here from um, from the Omaha Craigslist uh, ads. Uh, $2,600 real rare Zach Wilde vest and more. 
You got some fucking cojones trying to charge $2,600 for a fucking Black Label Society roadie vest. Like, you can give me 50 bucks. I'll take it off your hand. <laughs> all sweaty and soaked in cheap beer. And it's not even his vest. It's a roadie's vest. Exactly. Like, covered in taco meat. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Uh could uh, do, do you uh, see yourself uh, maybe wanting to be in possession of one of these rare collector's items? I feel like a Black Label Society fan would probably already have their own Black Label Society vest. I think that's probably that's probably on par. Again, it's like their whole thing is is bikey culture, so they probably have at least one, if you not th- you know real ones. Yeah. Do you think that uh, these guys ever like? get antsy with when they're about to go out like mm, do i put on the bls vest or do i put on the sons of anarchy vest i can't decide <laughs> it's reversible oh that's see that's a pro move <laughs> i tell you what we could probably make a mint moving those on, on craigslist i am a black label society fan born in october and i also like sons of anarchy <laughs> if you ever fuck with me or my family they'll never find your body <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. The- Watch Mayans BC on FX this Thursday. <laughs> this has always been such a, a weird try-hard band to me, uh, and especially knowing that uh, like Zach Wilde himself has been sober for like twenty years now. The pl- calling it the Black Label Society seems off. He's not. He's not touching the Black Label. He's touching cool, clear water. So the, the Black and Blue Label Society, brother. Uh, yeah, that's right. Because we're tough. He's like a. He's a grandfather. He's. Like, dealing with adult-onset diabetes. He's old as fuck. Like, we don't have to keep pretending to be big, tough, tight, bikey man. See, though? They kind of don't. Like, in a bunch of their more recent music videos, they're extremely goofy in them. I I, I, I gotta say, I haven't I haven't seen any of the new stuff. But is it any good? It's Black Label Society. <laughs> um, what do you think? Is this guy gonna sell this uh, vest? I think it's a little too pricey, especially for Craigslist of all places. Of all, of all again, charging that much, I, I want to see a, a letter of authenticity or something. I, I can't imagine. This guy is fully high. I can't. I can't imagine what's going through his head with this one. Include a couple of stereos that you stole from the parking lot at the show too. While you're at, at the it. very least, come on now. Uh, well, best of luck uh, to this guy uh, on his quest to make a mint from this likely stolen, uh, almost certainly very smelly uh, jacket. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, he's also selling a rare VIP Metallica poster for the one and only time Metallica came to Lincoln, Nebraska with the VIP Metallica concert Unforgiven package. <laughs> Okay, so if you were wondering who uh, who shells out hundreds of dollars for the VIP uh, Metallica packages, it's it's the guy who likely stole a VLS Society roadie vest. <laughs> well, on their next tour, if it comes anywhere near Omaha, keep your eyes out for someone in a gross-looking Black Label Society vest because that might be this guy. Man, it is tough living in the uh, the Great Plains, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for that email. Uh, if you if you guys see anything very funny and stolen, obviously on Craigslist, uh, send it to us. We'd love to take a look. Uh, moving on here, what's uh, what did you see this week that you really wanted to uh, to get on the show for the folks? Uh, continuing on on the criminal legal trouble sort of bent, Megadeth album, the sick, the dying, dot dot dot, 
and the Dead draws lawsuit over cover art. Mm. And this this article isn't just from your usual Loudwire type places. It's actually in the Hollywood Reporter. Ooh. My man, I, it's I mean, coming I up. I, I don't know if that's much better than any of these other places, but at least it's some sort of real sort of publication. <laughs> so in this article... New York-based illustrator and designer Brent Elliott White says he has, quote, created artwork and characters over time for Megadeth that have become an integral part of the band's identity, end quote, and was contacted about doing the album artwork in early 2020. They didn't sign a written contract at the time, according to the complaint, and the concept phase involved multiple revisions and edits and hundreds of hours of work. Hundreds of hours of work. Sorry, I, I, yeah, hate, and, I, hate I, mean, to, I hate to interrupt you, but have you seen this artwork? <laughs> yeah, I, where does the time go? It's, it, it, was it going into this specifically? I don't know. At least a couple of hours were just like heavy drinking and maybe pacing back and forth, just going, oh, God, I, I can't make this work. It's just so stupid. Why did they ask me to do this? I, I can't fit any more brown in this. How do I get more brown in? <laughs> Just really just editing the numbers in Photoshop to get different, slightly different shades of brown and yeah. mud and clay and all the eye-catching stuff that is the artwork for this. By April 2021, the band had chosen a concept for the cover of The Sick, The Dying, dot, 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 and The Dead, exclamation point, and asked White to create art for an EP release. More than a year later, in June 2022, White says the band's manager, Bob Johnson, Asked him, that sounds like such a fake name, asked him for additional renderings of the artwork for stage decorations for an upcoming tour. That's when White sent a text to Johnson, noting that he didn't have a contract and hadn't been paid, saying, I know album release time is hectic, but I have to mention that any send-off, including album art, is contingent on compensation and contract. So we're going to have to sort that out soon. According to the complaint, which is embedded below if anyone wants to read this on thehollywoodreporter.com, Johnson's response, and someone may need to contact the Hollywood Reporter because they misspell Johnson's name. Because <laughs> in some places it's Johnson with an E and here it's with no. Hmm. Johnson's response was that no one intended to not have this papered by now and that he would bring it up right away. I like, the that. Day, Indi- the f- I like that industry speak. Yeah, we're going to paper it. <laughs> we're going to interslice. And, Hell yeah. Uh, just use other buzzwords to make stupid people sound smart. The next day, the first single dropped, and White says the art was featured in Rolling Stone, but he wasn't credited. So the artist contacted Universal Music Group, explained the situation, and said that without an agreement to transfer rights, he was still the owner of the copyright. When the album was released in September 2022, they still hadn't agreed on a price. White says the album is a hit. Debatable. Uh... Uh, we'll be back. We'll be, it was nominated for a Grammy, so okay. In the, in, in the industry, fine. It has had success. And YouTube's video showing the work has been viewed millions of times, and vendors are charging $100 to $600 for merchandise featuring his art because defendants license the work to third parties without permission. Now, that's mm. an interesting piece of this. So he's suing Megadeth, a Universal Music Group, and others for copyright infringement, and is asserting multiple claims under New York's Freelance Isn't Free Act, 
which requires a written contract for work valued at $800 or more, sets standards for the timing of payment and prohibits other behavior like dropping pay rates and retaliation. White is asking the court for an injunction that would stop Megadeth and UMG from using the artwork and is seeking damages and disgorgement of profits. Man, I fucking UMG love disgorgement. The, one of my favorite bands. <laughs> yeah, they should be uh, playing Maryland Death Fest next year. And uh, they have not responded to any comment. Uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I feel like uh, when you entered hour 100 of working on this, you probably should have asked for something related to how are you going to pay me what are you going to pay me i'm not saying always get a con always get a contract and always have a lawyer look at it yeah i'm not i'm not like blaming uh the artist here for not getting paid i'm just saying like you you do need to look out for your own interests you know (laughs) i it's if you're leaving this up to dave mustaine to look out for you you're fucked (laughs) dave mustaine is only looking out for dave mustaine just ask every member that has left Megadeth over the past 30 years. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, I don't know how uh, his relationship uh, started uh, with, uh, with the, the Megadeths, but, uh, again, I would say pff, something written somewhere, some kind of discussion of payment would have been prudent before diving whole hog into this. Uh, again, I, I, I yeah. do I do applaud him though. Like uh, I think if I were responsible for this artwork, I would probably stay silent. I didn't want my name attached to it. <laughs> well, I think one of the big sticking points is the vendors charging upwards of six hundred dollars for merchandise featuring his art because Megadeth licensed it to them. So it really is he, he should be getting a lot more, whether it's just the work that he provided or the money being made off of his work. Ah. Um, I'm clicking through and looking at uh, Brent Elliott White's uh, website. His uh, features, like, uh, the homepage is actually really well done in that it features um, a huge collection of artwork that he's done for bands, just in a mosaic tile kind of uh, thing. And it's all very... Mm. Boy, it is all very much the same, isn't it? It's very Iron Maiden, early 2000s-looking computer generation. Uh, very smooth, very video game-type-looking yeah. characters and styles. And uh, it's very specific to someone who probably likes playing World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm. Uh, it's great that this guy has a distinctive style and that he's really made a career work for him. But if your art... Like, if your album has this artwork on it, it's a guarantee I'm probably never going to listen to it. <laughs> it's very, like, shiny metal guy holding gun yeah. type artwork. Or chains or knives. And it's all, like, a lot of them have the same color palette, too. Lots of browns, grays, lots of red. Uh, I don't know. I just, I've known a lot of guys who are, like, in... Guys that are like way too into I don't know airsoft. <laughs> this is their this is their shit, dude. <laughs> lots of skulls, lots of winged creatures and skeletons. It's a, I mean, it's better than anything I can do. I'll give you that. But sure, it is a very specific type of artwork that I kind of feel he might be the only person still doing this. It's entirely possible. Um, oh my god, I'm looking at his like. Uh, uh, click AD slash production work to see him do stuff that is not for metal bands. And this is horrifying. 
This one particular that says advertising frame <laughs> intermission. It it's fucking awful, dude. It looks like I'm seeing something like I probably shouldn't be allowed to see <laughs> something that's slipping from another dimension. Just the uncanny uh, realm of these horrible computer-generated people staring at each other with too many teeth. <laughs> this looks like the stuff that you see in advertisements. Try not to come. Porn vi- <laughs> for porn video games. <laughs> Uh, you won't last five seconds with this uh, fucking David Lynchian creation. <laughs> uh, well, I hope he gets paid. <laughs> I, yeah, I, take take Mustaine to the fucking cleaners. I hope you get paid every dime that you were every time that you're owed for this one. But boy, I wish I had never looked at this. <laughs> and the other thing that I, I gathered from this is uh, when talking with their management, like through text. That seems like such a bad move for management to do. Like, I feel like everything should be done like the mob. Like, do it all in person so that there's no trail, so that no one could ever bring this up in court against you. Yeah, people keep making that mistake. They keep saying incriminating things in text messages. Like, that shit isn't so easily subpoenaable. <laughs> text messages or different apps or Discord groups. It's like, you know, people will find this, right? Yeah, I... I Every time I make a death threat online, I include, you know, a bunch of asterisks that says this is a work of parody. <laughs> I just include winky emojis so I could say I was kidding. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, do you think that we'll hear follow-up to this one, or is it going to be, like, settled quietly? Oh, settled quietly, without question. Yeah, yeah. I don't see anybody wanting to uh, to make this uh, you know, stick out longer than it needs to. <clears throat> yep, just get get him paid and move on and I would assume you don't use his services for the next album. Yeah, which is I mean, I guess that's a bummer for both parties here in that uh, they seem to like using this guy's artwork. Um I, I don't I don't much care for it, but they seem to like it. So, uh what had previously been a, a fruitful relationship between the two parties coming to an end. Uh that's not great. Um I don't know. I don't know who to blame here, but I choose Dave Mustaine. He seems like an easy target for this. Uh, hey, let's talk about some other legal bullshit. Sound good? Yeah. I mean, who? Who? What ambulance chaser are we going to call for this one? <laughs> uh, the Texas Hammer, uh, Jim Adler. Uh, there was one in my area. Uh, in pain, call Wayne. Oh yeah, and. Wayne died like a few years ago, but they're like still they still have those ads like you know in pain call Wayne and it's like I see his cartoon picture up on billboards on the highway. It's just like but but he's gone. Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not looking to hire you know whatever associate attorney you've got. I want the real guy. Fucking summon him from the dead. <laughs> I want the guy from the commercial. Damn it. Yeah. Now, I love, uh, you know, regional uh, ambulance chasers. Like, every every town has one. Um, since I've been a little, little boy, it's been the Texas Hammer Jim Adler, who I think probably is also dead. <laughs> uh, so, if you, you know, in the comments below, share your local uh, ambulance chaser. We love to see them. Oh, the commercials are always the best. Uh, it might have been, no, I think it was another one where uh, people would be giving their testimonials and the hook for this was ba-bam. Like, I was driving my car and ba-bam, someone <laughs> hit me. Paralyzed, ba-bam. I was ba-bam. the supermarket. 
I was walking in the supermarket and slipped in a puddle and ba-bam, and I hurt my knee. <laughs> Just very silly stuff. Incredibly silly. We love it. Uh, no, this one's here. The headline is Antitrust Lawsuit Against Live Nation Slash Ticketmaster Thrown Out by Appeals Court. So I saw that, uh, you know, there was a lot of hay being made there for a few weeks that, uh, you know, the Biden administration, uh, quietly the most uh, progressive since uh, FDR, I've been told a few times, uh, was really going to make this happen. And uh, what do you know? Uh, the entire judiciary is fucked. <laughs> I mean, if you were going to believe that anything was going to happen, you deserve to have your money taken by Live Nation and Ticketmaster. Mm. It was nothing was ever going to happen. No, is which is a shame, but that's kind of the way it is now. That is what a monopoly is. And uh, I don't know, maybe listen to some less popular artists that may play at your local venue and not Giant Stadium. That seems like it's probably a good idea if we could all maybe collectively uh, focus on smaller acts that aren't going to be uh, taking a good chunk of change out of everything just based on what they feel like. Again, I, I, an underappreciated aspect of this is, uh, I believe it was, um, gosh, uh, Tyler Mann Co., the son of David Allen Co., uh, was explaining that uh, a lot of those Ticketmaster fees are negotiated with the artists and... Uh, oftentimes split among the artists as well. So uh, any kind of uh, discovery there would show that uh, big artists, say your Taylor Swifts, uh, were fully aware of it and complacent in trying to get extra scratch. So bummer, maybe yeah, in the every, future. Everyone's got to get paid with those big acts from top to bottom, and uh, they just don't like the heat for when their fans can't buy tickets and when they're all bought up by the rich, the famous, and by bots who resell them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is if we get this bot thing figured out, that would be great. Uh, that seems like it would be an easier thing to do, but as we've seen, the bots benefit the bottom line for all of these parties, so they don't really want to do anything about it. Uh, it just pisses literally everyone else off. Yeah, the tickets still get sold, which is all they care about. Yep. And you got to question who owns some of these secondary selling websites too, because oh, they may be. You, uh, you don't have to question it. It is very. It is owned by them. This is their market. Yeah. <laughs> so they're getting double dipping for the money. So why would they stop doing that? Yeah, I mean, like, you 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 look at this and you're like, well, this sucks. This is a bad experience. Everyone hates it. But it's like, yes, but have you considered that it's very profitable? <laughs> So there you go. It's good to like a genre like we do where you can still like walk into a venue and pay $15 day of show to see someone. I know that's happening less and less because there's less venues and also like day of show ticket sales are like $30 now. But you know what I mean. Man, I, I get bummed out when I go to a small venue like a place that it has nothing to do with like Live Nation or Ticketmaster. If you buy your tickets online, it's like, okay, we're going to add on a $20 service fee for buying online. And if you buy a day of show, it's okay, well, it's $20 more for day of show. It's like, well, fucking just price it the way it is. <laughs> I mean, I unless a sh I know a show is going to sell out or I have to travel for it, I won't buy in advance because it's typically cheaper to still pay at the door than it is to pay all those extra fees and printing fees and processing fees for your local venue for some small-time band that you're just on some secondary website that you're, you know, clicking, yes, I agree on something, and then printing it out yourself. You got any shows you're going to soon? Uh, I may see your friend Dr. K's band. Uh, he's come 
through uh, next month. But beyond that, nothing. Hmm. I uh, I've been uh, I've been on a, a buying spree for things coming this uh, this spring, and uh, I've been feeling the pain of all of these various fees. Uh, not a fan of it. Um, especially yeah, because I have been buying uh, shit for you know, corporate venues. Like uh, I wanted to see New Order, right? Because I figure I'll get one more chance before they you know get sick of each other or die. Uh, my wife wanted to see a Swedish pop star lady, you know, again, getting completely bent over by these, these fees. Uh, and then, uh, unexpected, uh, one that I'm sure that I'm going to screw it over on, uh, tomorrow, uh, seeing, uh, Lloyd Kaufman doing a live presentation of Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> I'm sure that will sell out. Um, I, I, I love Lloyd in that nobody hustles harder than, than him. Uh, he will sell you stuff out of the trunk of his car. <laughs> That's part of his charm and his appeal. It is. We love it. We, we genuinely love it. Um, so I, I don't know, man. Uh, supposedly the, uh, Department of Justice has some additional leeway to like levy some kind of act, antitrust action against Ticketmaster, but it's, it's not going to fucking happen. It's just never going to fucking happen. Ticketmaster just has to make a few political donations and this goes away. Yeah, like, when is the last time that an actual antitrust action was taken in this country? Was that maybe, like, against Microsoft in the 90s? Yeah, maybe, something like that. Or if it was, it was small stuff. Yeah. Maybe with the uh, cryptocurrency coming up. Uh, maybe. And I think that's only because everybody's ass got exposed on that one. If they, <laughs> weren't, if they weren't embarrassed, it would, that would be a free-for-all. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, everybody's, everybody's just trying to screw you. Bummer. Uh, let's talk about uh, some, uh, some more, uh, bullshit, uh, complications of our age and time. Uh, again, it's a bummer that Breno's not with us for this one so we could bring it up. Uh, but Periphery, uh, that band that you and I love so much, uh, put out a music video that is AI generated. Did you see it? No, I wasn't <laughs> going to see it. For many reasons, of course. One of, it, one of the biggest ones is that it's periphery. That is a big reason. Um, I did watch a bit of this video, and I can tell you, it certainly looks like it. It certainly looks like it was AI generated. Uh, I don't know what the appeal of doing this is, other than it's cheap. I, I really can't think of anything else that would that would work for this. Yeah, it's cheap, and I don't know kind of what's the point of music videos. Really, at That's this true. point, especially like lyric videos, it's just it's a thing to get your music out on another website or on uh, social medias, and it's for places like us to link to when it's time to post some news. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I kind of, I, I don't want to be like the bearer of bad news or be down on everything, but this is probably going to be the way of the future for a lot of uh, bands and for just labels in general. Why are we going to pay the money to fly these guys out to some location to have them pantomime stuff? Let's just let a computer do it, and we're going to get the same amount of views. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, very true. Um, this is not worth your time uh, in any way. Um, if you're excited about the future of AI art, I mean, I've got some Dogecoin I can probably sell you. Uh, <laughs> Every, this just between, sucks. It, there is no artifice to this. It's just uh, it's ugly. It's fucking ugly. Yeah, yeah. It's like between this and with the chatbot thing. Like 
personally for me, like I don't understand the appeal of any of this. I know from like a corporate perspective, it's cheap mm-hmm. and it gets the point across. Like if this chatbot LMNOP stuff actually works, like say goodbye to all of your uh, people who help in like the service industry. You're never going to actually talk to a real human being again. I yeah. mean, we're kind of at that point already, but now sure. it's, you, you won't even notice that it's going to be a robot or something like that. And it's just, all of this seems like bad things and all of it just seems like it gives money to people who already have lots of it. And yet there's still plenty of average people out there that are like, yes, this is great. This is the wave of the future. It's like, you're getting left behind too, dude. Yeah, it is incredibly cocked. Like if you, if you can't see that I don't I don't know how to speak to you your brain is not fully developed, um, all of the shit like the chat GPI or whatever it's called like I've I've played around it with it just for a bit because there's been so much overwhelming hype with it and I am so unimpressed with this like this is going to be the pet rock of fucking 2023, uh what we're calling what we're claiming a is AI is nothing is not it has nothing to do with AI like there is nothing like going on behind the scenes here that is in any way remarkable. The results that you're getting are horseshit. They are not going to get better. In fact, they're going to get worse because it's going to be pulling from other, like, quote-unquote, AI-generated creations. Uh, This is just the enshittification of the internet in real time. It's been happening for a long time, and it's continuing at a faster clip. You know, I I complain about it all the time can't fucking use google anymore i can't find the shit that i need to find with google uh and that has been an intentional uh move by all of the uh you know search aggregators and it's getting even worse uh now that bing is like yes we're going to use these ai for all uh all search queries now and it's so much worse than it was before i hate this shit i hate all of this shit sucks man Anyway, perif- it, it, it's it sucks, and there's a small but loud portion of the population that thinks it's great, and that that makes it so much worse. I yeah, I hate these people, man. Um, they're very much the same. Like um, one of the like Elon Musk fanboys guys are like, he's mm-hmm. gonna save humanity. No, he's not. No, he's not. And if by some accident he somehow did, you wouldn't be included. No, no, you are. Would your, your body is on top of the pile instead of in the middle. Correct. So, I don't know. Same kind of people. I don't know what kind of childish hope that you have that any of this is going to be good, but you know, I wish I shared uh, any, any part of it, but I cannot. So, sooner or later, you're going to get a nuclear blast record signs, the first AI completely generated band. Yeah, hopefully this one won't be racist. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's very fitting that Periphery is the band here that uh, is, you know, at the forefront of this. That checks out completely to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. Just the uh, connection to loving the future and technology and being extremely processed and fake sounding. Uh, that and like doing anything to save a buck or make a dollar. <laughs> I know Breno likes to harp on it, but Periphery exists mostly for these guys to sell their side projects, whether that's plugins for your guitar or whatever. Like, yeah, that it's all very much of the same. Like, we are making money. We don't give a shit. A headless, fretless, baseless bass. <laughs> exactly. So, enjoy all that. You're gonna get a lot of it in the future, and it's gonna it's gonna suck. It's gonna be really bad. 
what else you got? What what else has been happening in the world of metal this week? Uh, one interesting story that I saw pop up just a couple of days ago is that there is a, a new record label that came out. Uh, I don't know if they're focusing specifically on metal, but they've already signed one heavier act, Code Orange. Oh. And it is the Blue Grape. It's just called Blue Grape Music. Wait, Blue Grape, like, Blue Grape. like the catalog from back in the day? That's correct. The wow. same people. Blue Grape is back. And the weird thing about the catalog and like merchandise is I just very briefly tried to find like something just to confirm that this was the same group. There's not a lot of information out there about like the Blue Grape merchandising, but it was everywhere in the 90s. Yeah, if you wanted to buy, uh, let's say, a uh, Alice in Chains t-shirt mm. or uh, a Kitty t-shirt, you were getting it from Blue Grape, probably. Yeah, I still have a few shirts. I have like a type, few typo negative shirts from the 90s that it says Blue Grape on it, like in small print. That's who made it. And like really just about any band merch, if you had to order it through – a magazine or catalog because you know there wasn't much of an internet back then for buying stuff it was from them um man that is fuck that's a blast from the goddamn past and i gotta say in terms of aesthetic there is no better fit in 2023 than code orange and blue grape and the people heading this up is also news where they industry veterans david rath former head of a r at roadrunner records hmm. and cease wessels founder of roadrunner records are the people working behind this so these guys uh, are these are real people <laughs> it's not some dickhead are, like starting a label in his garage right these are real people with like over 20 30 years of experience working with tons of major money-making bands wild um it's interesting that they're like I don't know code oranges are our kids these are the guys that we're gonna we're gonna get and we're gonna you know make some money with I guess they have their already established fan base and they've opened for a lot of popular bands. So their name's out there. And I guess if you want to start with someone who's established but not over the hill yet, it's not a bad choice. Musically, I guess that depends on is industrial-ish music coming back. I I mean, it's Skinny Puppy and all these other bands, uh, Sisters of Mercy, are having their big finale tours and they're all selling out. So maybe – it could be. This could be the wave of the future. Uh, are there any other plans for other bands to get signed to Blue Grape? Well, probably. Their first release is the Code Orange. I always want to say Code Orange Kids because that's what they used to be, but yep. not anymore. Um, it's going to be, what, a remix album? What is really underneath? Now, that is interesting in that... Uh, you don't see bands uh, doing remix albums, especially in uh, heavier music uh, nowadays. That was something that we kind of left at the uh, very beginning of the 2000s. Unless you're Fear Factory. Unless you're Fear Factory. <laughs> uh, the release came out on February 17th and serves as a companion album to the critically acclaimed Underneath that is part, remi- part remix, part soundtrack. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that... Uh, I think it'd be really interesting if these guys continued on uh, that tr- specific track of like very late '90s uh, throwback, where they they put out like a collaboration album as well. Like, uh, God, do you remember? Um, 
the uh, Nativity in Black uh, compilation with a bunch of new metal bands working with Black Sabbath. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the MO in the late 90s and early 2000s. We're getting the newer bands to either hook up with hip-hop artists or industrial techno people and just kind of mashing all these things together. And it worked for a while, so I, maybe 90s aesthetic is in, so maybe we're just trying to bring it back that way too. I mean, it's it's all on the nose, uh, from the remix album to the aesthetic to the name fucking Blue Grape. It's all right there. This revival is it wants to happen. They're, they're, they're beckoning for it. <laughs> I think that's probably also the last time any of these people made money. That's true. That is abs- shit. That is absolutely true. No wonder we're pining for those days. And the the fun thing about this is because there's Roadrunner people involved, including like uh, the current staff also includes Roadrunner alumni Susie Accus as SVP of marketing and a couple of other people, and it's distributed by Sony Music, so they're not starting from scratch. They will be doing okay. But this did lead me down a little bit of a path. In past shows, we've talked about scummy, well-known metal and hard music record labels. Mm-hmm. Our go-tos have been like Victory Records, oh, yeah. That's Trust the- Kill, oh, yeah. Earache. Just labels that are well-known for like I, it's really t- ups- Man, it's tough. Like if you put Earache versus Victory against each other for like who fucked over more people out of more money, like I, that's tough. I don't know. <laughs> and the bands are still mad about this. They will still talk about this to this day. Just lost revenue and bad contracts. And one of those labels that we've kind of never really talked about, but fits in very snugly with those, is Roadrunner Records, to the point where they have their own Wikipedia entry: criticism of Roadrunner Records. <laughs> And it's it's worth a read if you're ever bored or just want to know how much this label has caused problems for bands, because it, it goes back to like the 1980s, dealing with uh, the British heavy metal band Satan. Uh, Fear Factory has been very open about their problems with the label, pretty much releasing an entire album that's just. I think one of the lines was a contract with the devil for a life of disdain. <laughs> uh, Glassjaw has been very vocal about their problems. 36 Crazy Fist, Slipknot, and really just like the past year or two, has uh, now that they're no longer on Roadrunner, uh, has said just all sorts of problems, never receiving any royalties, just finishing up the end so far just so that they can get off the label. Can, can, can I just uh, share this quote yeah. from, from that particular uh, Wikipedia stub you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Burton C. Bell, formerly of Fear Factory, uh, new vocalist being announced this week, supposedly. Uh, called Cease. I got a surprise for you guys next week. Called Cease Wessels. Quote the Dutch Devil. <laughs> so, uh, good luck to you. <laughs> good luck to Code Orange. That sounds like something you get while playing one of those porn video games. <laughs> I don't know. I could see a Dutch Devil being like a regional treat, <laughs> or uh, a pack of rolling papers. <laughs> that too. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you. I just, I love that nickname so much. <laughs> yeah, it just, if you have the time, go through this and you could just see just how many bands, even like popular bands that have made a lot of sales, have not necessarily made a lot of money because their deals are just really rough for bands like owning the masters in perpetuity. So bands will never, ever see a dime from some of their classic stuff because they don't own the music to it and you've heard about us talking about bands that just re-record their albums yep 
20 years later just so that they can recoup some sort of money or in some cases actually gain rights to their own stuff again. It's a brutal game. Um, glad that, uh, glad that we don't have to worry about any of this shit. <laughs> so I'm saying have lawyers look at the contract. In one case for Satan, they did and they ignored their lawyer's advice and signed that anyway. Oh boy. I gotta say, uh, you remember, uh, when Fox did celebrity boxing. Sure. That was a big deal for a couple of times. Didn't they have, um, like they had China, the wrestler do one and Joey, but Oh yeah. I, the one I'm actually, I really remember was, um, I think it was a uh, Dustin diamond versus Danny Bonaduce. And, uh, it was like, there was, uh, these were deeply troubled men fighting in the ring. They were letting it all out there. <laughs> I think Todd Bridges had one. A oh, that's other right. People were in yeah, there. really, really scummy entertainment in retrospect. Uh, but I would love to yeah, see. It's... I would love to see a Tony Victory versus Digby celebrity boxing fight. <laughs> Just to put him in an electrified fence, and no one leaves alive. Sort of <laughs> God, I'm just like chain smoking, waving dollars in the air, like in the background of Kickboxer. Ah, <laughs> uh, that'd be a good time. Or you're the guy in Deer Hunter, just yelling at them to play Russian roulette. <laughs> I rewatched uh, Deer Hunter very recently for the first time uh, in like 15 years. Incredibly upsetting movie. <laughs> We forget, you know, because of all of the, uh, you know, the the references that we've made in culture, like The Simpsons even doing a bit with Krusty playing Russian roulette. But it is a mm. visceral, upsetting thing to watch on screen. Yeah, it's it's for the people who only know Christopher Walken doing the fun dance Fatboy Slim video, and then you go watch that. Yeah, really, really dark, really dark, really long, upsetting movie. Anyway, um there is there is one other thing that I wanted to talk about on the show. Uh, one of our guys, unfortunately. Thank you, by the way. By the way, uh, last week a bunch of you uh, participated in naming our guys, uh, and we love that. We 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 genuinely love that. We got one guy here. We need to revisit. Which guy is it? Do you know? I do not know. One Ronald Radke. <sighs> I know. Arguably one of the worst guys. On a personal level, I think I dislike him more than the other guys. Um, he's he, up there. He's a genuine piece of shit, man. So here's the thing. We could talk about a couple of things that he's been doing this week, uh, one of which is, uh, I don't know, intentionally like poking uh, you know, uh, abuse survivors uh, with uh, trying, to, uh, trying to take scummy bands on tour with him. Uh, or we could talk about this bit uh, with his lady. Uh, is it Soraya? Is that the one? Soraya from AEW, formerly Paige from WWE. Mm-hmm. So would you say that AEW is a step up or a step down from WWE? It depends on how you want to classify that. I think AEW gives the wrestlers a little bit more freedom mm-hmm. uh, to do the matches that they want to do to cut the promos they want to cut, to have, you know, their own character, that sort of thing. And uh, it's given a platform for wrestlers that may never have gotten to WWE because of their size or their look or just some certain skill levels, things like that. So in that, it's a positive. Uh, It's also an alternative to WWE, which uh, I know a lot of people like. And Mm -hmm. for some people, it's the only reason they watch. But uh, if we're being honest, it is a step down. 
Their viewership is much lower than WWE. The pay scale, uh, depending on who you are, uh, is a lot lower. And the roster is so big that wrestlers have complained that the guy who runs it, Tony Khan, has forgotten about them. (laughs) Uh, Just this past week, a wrestler, Lance Archer, had tweeted out something like, it's been 51 days since I laced up my boots, not by choice. So they have their own problems, but it is, let's be honest, it is a step down. Fair enough. Um, In an uh, interview here uh, very recently, uh, Soraya, formerly Paige, uh, said that uh, she was hoping that AEW would start doing intergender matchups, which is interesting. I think that would be, I think that's an interesting wrinkle, something that would be cool to, to schedule. Uh, but See, they, WWE has been hinting at this for a while mm-hmm. uh, and has had interactions. Uh, you know, people will say that, like, it's better for women wrestling to see them get in the ring and mix it up with the men. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see a man hitting a woman. I mean, so that's fair, I guess. Uh, that and, and then there's just the general, how is a 98-pound woman going to body slam uh, the big show? Very carefully. Uh, so. Yes. <laughs> She's going to bend her knees. Uh, <laughs> well, she follows here, hoping for intergender matchups, and uh, with Ronnie Radke hoping to be involved as he wants to face Chris Jericho. Uh, it writes itself, she said. Ronnie even wanted to become a part of it. A storyline. Do something against Chris Jericho. He's such a bad. He's such a good bad guy. He plays a very good bad guy, and people love to hate him. I feel they, Ronnie and Jericho, would have a good storyline. I would love to wrestle one of the guys. If I have to beat up Chris Jericho, Jericho would be up for it. He doesn't care. He's a very selfless worker. He's a good guy. He'll wrestle anybody. If he has to let somebody win, he'll be like, absolutely. There's never an ego there. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, why? Like, I know that she's in a relationship with Ronnie Radke, but has he ever wrestled before? Ever? Like, all, all I know about uh, him is, you know, all the the violence against women he's committed. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, but I think when you bring in celebrities, musicians, whoever, for a spot or something like that, you don't need to train them really all that much. It's like, tuck your head, tuck your chin. We're going to throw you through this table. We're going to be very gentle. You'll be okay. And nowadays they're like putting airbags and, you know, crash pads and things like that. So they don't hurt these people. That's incredibly lame. I hate that. It's what it is. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure Jericho would do it because he is a cloud vampire, and his mo in AEW for the past few years is to latch on to whoever is popular at the time, have a feud with them, suck away all of their energy and their power, and then just like come up with another shitty gimmick and do the whole thing over again. Mm-hmm. And he's done it three or four times. Um, they just just had a spot this past week with two of the guys from Impractical Jokers. Jesus fucking Christ, really? Which uh, AEW's on TBS, oh. and I believe Impractical Jokers is as well. So that's the connection for there. It's just one big commercial, but his Jericho's uh, little faction beat him up and stuck one guy on a table and powerbombed the other guy into him to break the table, and no one cared. No one cared, but it was a thing. It happened, so I'm sure he would be more than happy to hang out with another young rock guy and steal some of uh, his attention for a little bit and 
you know, maybe he'll get hurt doing it. So that'll be fun. Here's hoping. Say young rock guy, but Ronnie Radke is pushing 40 rapidly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Jericho is older than him and is still trying to do the rock and roll lifestyle. So young for Jericho. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, no, I hate, uh, I hate Ronnie Radke. Uh, I hate, I'm not, I'm not even like a big wrestling fan or whatever. I just think it's, uh, disrespectful that this guy can be like, yeah, I can fucking wrestle with the, you know, the top talents in this organization or whatever, despite having zero training or background in this whatsoever. Uh, that's, that strikes me as very shitty. I don't care for it. Uh, it is, but it's very much in line with him and who he is. That is true. That is true. F- fuck y'all. I can do this shit, motherfucker. I, I genuinely hope he severs a very important nerve while doing this. <laughs> you, you just know he's going to land wrong if they do something. I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> These guys are trained, like actually trained for many years and wrestle for many years and still get hurt. I can't imagine some someone like him being able to like have a match. And they've done it in the past with non-wrestlers like Jay Leno was in a match against Hulk Hogan. Oh, so it yeah. has happened before. Yeah. You just you you work with them and you do like the minimal just so it's like, okay, here's an arm bar. Oh, you got me. Oh, you did one slam and that's it. You can't like have a twenty minute Matt Classic with someone like this. <sighs> I hate it. Um have you ever seen Impractical Jokers? I have not. I have, that. I have not, not either. my thing. I, I've never seen it. It's it, as far as I know, it's been on since time immemorial. It'll be it'll be here out long after I'm dead. But it's like one of those entertainment products that might as well exist on another fucking planet. It just feels so fucking alien to me. <laughs> it costs nothing, and people watch it. I guess so. Uh, but you know, it seems like TBS taking real chances with their top talent there over at Impractical Jokers by putting them at the risk of being injured here in this wrestling promotion. Very irresponsible, if you ask me. Well, I guess they want to have synergy and connect all their shows, and maybe people like Impractical Jokers will like professional wrestling and vice versa. It's possible. Uh, so right now, aside from uh, potentially starting uh, some kind of wrestling beef with Chris Jericho, Ronnie Radke is also starting beef with uh, Chris Motionless, I guess, of Motionless and White. Uh, because Motionless, Motionless and White kicked a band off of their tour who was opening for them, uh, who had been credibly accused of, uh, of being a sex pest. So um, Radke is very pissed off about that, that they did not wait for a full legal proceeding uh, before deciding to kick a shady band off their, their tour. So uh, he's going to be whining and bitching about this for a good long time. Uh, I hope that uh, Motionless and White has shooters. <laughs> Well, we've said the guy from Motionless and White looks like Rhea Ripley. Maybe we can get some sort of tag team cross-promotional thing going on. There we go. Uh, except for real, and it really hurt him uh, for good. I think that'd be good. Except in a parking lot where there's no cameras, and uh, the only rule is no guns, knives, or bats. We can just have this on the same uh, you know, uh, bout as, uh, as Tony Victory and Digby. <laughs> I, th- I think that we get, just have a, a week of blood sport. It'll be good. Celebrity death match, but with real people instead of clay. <laughs> exactly. 90s are coming back. It's true. Let's get it on. Uh, well, what do you think? Is there anything you want to tack on this one, or maybe we should call it for today? One last thing we should talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the Milwaukee Metal Fest announced a whole bunch of more bands. Oh, boy. Uh, I, you know, we spent some time talking about Milwaukee <clears throat> Metal Fest recently. Uh, there are big, obvious bands that are on every festival. And then some younger bands that uh, you generally have to see at a club. So mm-hmm. meshing them together. What do you what do you have for this one? 
it's a little bit more diversity with this second batch. Uh, some interesting choices. The big name on top of it, Machine Head. Of course, you can't can't have a festival without them. Uh, they will complain about it. Did they play a lot of festivals in the U.S.? Yes, they play often. <laughs> yeah. I'd only be interested if they played the Burning Red in full. I'm I'm with you. Just one of those bands that their popularity has been baffling to me over the decades. I mean, their career is baffling. Just the ebbs and flows, and you know the the changing of genres, and then like the occasional show of brilliance or skill with a certain song or a solo and then it's just back to dog shit for yeah, 10 years dog shit city again we have midnight all right i i like midnight you can see them anytime you want they're always they're always on the road raven all right that one's kind of interesting that's a real throwback that's interesting yeah I, I like that choice. That's different, a uh, different styling of music. Also, older guys For sure. who don't play the U.S. very often, probably don't play festivals too often. So thumbs up for that. That's that's cool. Warbringer? Mm, not my thing. Fine. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Uh, Body Snatcher, which is a newer deathcore band. Hmm. I always mispronounce it. Elegeon? Elegeon? Elegeon. Elegeon, yes. That's cool cool band um ripper that okay cool i like ripper yeah angelus apretrita uh they're okay with us because um we had a review of them that was positive and they shared it and then followed us on social media and we're we're fans of it so we're fans of that oh uh, how about that doing the bare minimum love that <laughs> you say the bare minimum but bands don't even do that i know. don't even do that anymore. i mean i've 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 really gone out of my way for a lot of bands who uh, just don't give a shit about any of that so i remember <laughs> it's like it's like when we have the the top 10 albums they put out at the end of the year for all of our writers and we'll tag them in social media and they'll like it yep and that's it I once had a guy DM me and uh, say, hey, thanks for doing this. I don't really share any of these, though, but I appreciate that you're listening. <laughs> I'm just like, god damn, dude. <laughs> it, it's not even hard work on your end. Just retweet. Just yeah. share. Yeah. Two clicks. That's, That's it. it. Deeds of Flesh, which Ooh, is an interesting choice. I would like to see Deedly Deeds of Flesh. I mean, the, the main guy passed away a few years ago, so interesting to see who they have on and what they do, but cool choice and some legit old death metal on here. So thumbs up for that choice. Vended. Do you know who Vended are? Uh, no. Are you familiar? Featuring the sons of Corey Taylor and clown. Get this shit out of here. Fuck. God, this is awful. We got to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they like paint their faces and do a whole shtick. But I think they've been upfront where they've been like, yeah, of course we wouldn't be playing this if our fathers weren't who they were. So well, I appreciate that at least. At least you know where you're at, but I don't like seeing it regardless. Dead to Fall. I don't know that one. That is an early 2000s uh, victory metalcore band. Um their probably their biggest and it wasn't a very big song was bastard set of dreams and very um like breakdown heavy type band just dr- double bass the whole time breakdowns kind of like before that became a parody and every local band was doing it they were uh, like one of the earliest ones to do it gotcha and 
and haven't really been active in a long time. So that's definitely a, a Jamie Josta choice on there. But good for them. Good to see them back, I'm sure. I'm sure some people will be into that. This name I can't read based off their logo. Morta Skuld? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, fuck, if I, if I remember correctly, they're from the 80s. Huh. All right, well, if they played one of the early Milwaukee Metal Fest, that's very cool if they're, they're back on this one. Fuck, yeah, uh, they're uh, early 90s. Yeah, I had, they reissued one of these records from like 1990. I picked it up. It was really good, actually. Uh, Dying Remains, the album. These dudes are from Wisconsin, so. Ah, uh, yeah, they're from Milwaukee. I yeah. just looked up yeah. their Facebook. And it does look like they've played Milwaukee Metal Fest before, so nice. I actually like that. That's that's they some should good do synergy. a little bit more of that. Yeah, malignancy. Okay. Okay. Pissing razors. God, that is a fucking throwback. Not necessarily like a good one. <laughs> it's one of those bands that's been around forever. Do you? I mean, their heyday, if there was a heyday, was like in the late '90s, I guess. Yeah, at the at the latest, the late '90s. Yeah. I think I'm sure that's a Jamie Josta choice. Yeah, it's got to be. Here's one, and I mean this with all due respect. I have no problem with the band whatsoever. Why the fuck are Rose Funeral on this? Jesus Christ, that's some shit we can leave in the 2000s. I think. And again, I have no problem. I, I couldn't tell you one song about this band. I don't know really anything about them, but like, that's a name that really hasn't been said in 20 years. Uh, I remember. Uh, uh, ah, who gives a shit? Yeah, uh, the uh, the vocalists uh, kept trying to hit on my uh, my ex girlfriend. It was really pathetic. <laughs> it was this before or after the Uno incident. It was right before it. So right before the the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to them. Well, they're back, and uh, if they have any sense at all, they hand out Uno cards. Or you, better yet, you, you have them. to you better lean into that shit before they lean into it for you. <laughs> your shirt better have Uno cards with your name on it, something like that. Yep. Final command. Okay. Molder. I don't think. Wait, Molder is there, are they with Holder? Molder and Holder in Boulder when it gets colder. That's you got right. that band on a prosthetic. Uh, Gates of Hell. I don't think I know Gates of Hell. Not familiar. Phobophilic. All right. We're getting our Twitter Twitter medal again. <laughs> <laughs> Misfire. Mm. I don't know. Dead by Wednesday, who is a, one million percent a Jamie Josta choice, because uh, I'm pretty sure they're on his label. They're from Connecticut. They are a like. Hardcore and new metal hybrid band that's just been chugging along for about 15 years. Mm. I think one of the members was previously in uh, another Connecticut new metal band called Gargantua Soul, whose biggest claim to fame was just outside New Haven in Connecticut. There was an abandoned Toys R Us that you could see from uh, I-95. And like there wasn't really anything else around. And it's pretty striking seeing the colorful Toys R Us just all boarded up and across all the boards of the front of this abandoned Toys R Us was spray painted Gargantua Soul. Incredible. And it was there for like 15 years so <laughs> uh, it's long gone now and I believe they found a bunch of dead bodies behind the place. Jesus. So, so there you go that's Dead by Wednesday and then uh, a bunch of smaller bands. Well what do you think? You gonna buy your ticket? 
I don't think it's quite there for me yet. Well, we got to get a few more forgotten bands from the early 2000s, and maybe we'll pull the trigger. I'm still holding out for Dogstar. Here's hoping. Uh, folks, uh, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Toilet Pal Radio Show. If you look, if you want to hear more, we got a Patreon where we got bonus episodes. Uh, Patreon.com slash Toilet of Hell. Give us some money. You'll get more shows. That's how it works. Uh, Jordan, I think I'm out of here. You done? Bye.
are listening to 66.6 FM. Radio TOVH. The Flush.